Welcome to Unlocking the Truth, a podcast where we discover God's truth for ourselves. We want to see you at our Hold Fast, a day in the work conferences happening across Canada in 2020. There will be one in Halifax on June 5th through 6th, one in Calgary, November 6th through 7th, and one in Winnipeg on November 13th through 14th. Visit our website to get more details and register now. Do you feel called to lead? Then you should attend our How to Lead a Precept Upon Precept workshop at our Precept Ministries Training Center in Brantford, Ontario on December 5th through 7th. Head to our website to register now. Now, stay tuned for Unlocking the Truth in our discussion on the book of Hebrews. Hello, everyone. It's Mark Sheldrake here, and we are back. It is 2020, folks, and Happy New Year to all of you listening out there. I hope you had a wonderful holiday and an opportunity to rest and relax and celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. We are in full swing here in the ministry already in the first uh, couple weeks of January. We know that There is a lot happening out in the country right now because of the number of Bible study books leaving this uh, building. And one of the really neat things is to look and see how many people across the country right now are studying the book of Hebrews and Covenant. Two great topics that uh, are being covered by uh, multiple people. The other exciting thing to see is all of the new leaders that are getting involved after taking our precept upon precept leadership training. And uh, that's a real uh, treat for us to see um, the people take the training, use the training, and uh, go out and disciple others. Fantastic Um, things happening right now in the ministry and cannot wait to see what God is going to do in 2020. 2019 was a great year uh, for the ministry, but uh, we want to see more growth, more encouragement coming into this year as well. Let me pray, and then uh, we're going to get dig right into our episode this week. Father, we do thank you for the time that you have given us this morning an opportunity to uh, dig into um, Hebrews. Father, we pray for all those listening on the podcast that uh, whatever time of day it is, whatever it is, Lord, that um, you would just uh, use uh, this uh, platform to uh, be an encouragement to those who are listening. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So a few weeks ago, I had the opportunity here at the Precept headquarters in Brantford, Ontario, to um, speak to a room full of teenagers that uh, really was cool. First of all, um, when I first started at Precept, um, I was the assistant to the national director, and I sort of worked my way through Uh, the precept system here in uh, the organization. But one of the things that I took on in my first few years of the ministry was Transform Canada, Transform Student Ministries here in uh, Canada. And I oversaw everything that was happening with student ministry precept-wise in Canada, had the opportunity to travel to multiple different churches and places and 
just really get to interact with teenagers um, as they uh, study the Bible inductively. And so uh, my background prior to precept and prior to being a senior pastor was I was a youth pastor. I was a youth pastor for a number of years. And so uh, just to see students engaging in God's word the way uh, that these students were uh, with me on that Friday night was uh, pretty sweet. And so I'm basically going to walk you through the very same thing that we walked the teenagers through from Hebrews chapter uh, 8 and 9. And so the question that we're going to ask is this, how do you approach a holy God. And so what we're going to look at is we're going to look at the comparison of the tabernacle to this uh, tabernacle that the author talks about is the heavenly tabernacle, or uh, we're going to compare it to, to Jesus and how Jesus all fits into the tabernacle. So just before uh, I do that, I want to give you a, a little plug because I love to um, let you know about other resources that Precept has. Uh, we have a 40-minute Bible study called Living a Life of True Worship, a six-week no-homework Bible study that will take you through the tabernacle, and it'll look at every different part of the tabernacle, uh, explain it clearly, give you an opportunity to uh, learn more about it, and then see how it all relates to Jesus. It's a fantastic study. It's a study that we have used in the past as a training tool for our Israel tours that uh, we've done uh, as a Canadian tour in partnership with other countries like Singapore and Africa. Uh, this year, in May, Canada is going to... Um, be celebrating 50 years of ministry with uh, Kay Arthur. Kay Arthur and Jack Arthur started Precept 50 years ago this year, and uh, they'll be having a big celebration in, uh, in Israel and in Jerusalem, and then later in the fall, more celebrations are going to be happening as we honor what God has done through both Jack and Kay Arthur over the last uh, 50 years, and then, of course, now David taking over. So uh, looking forward to what um, is going to happen overall in the ministry in the next few years. But this is the question that we have, is how do you approach a holy God? On the Israel tour, what we do is we study this six-week study um, in a number of days, but it all leads up to a trip down to southern Israel, and we visit a park called Timna Park. And in Timna Park, uh, this is where there is a tabernacle set up in the desert. It's sort of um, interestingly cheesy, you know, the uh, tabernacle. It's so phenomenal to see a tabernacle set up in the desert. It's, I think it's the mannequins dressed um, in the priestly clothing uh, that bring brings it a little bit a little bit of a, a cheesiness to it but still when you're in within the um, court of the tabernacle and you're seeing all the parts of it and then when you get to go into the holy of holies uh, there's just something about that that um, even though there's a little cheesiness to it there it, it's powerful and the reason it's powerful is because the tabernacle was set up 
and there is a, um, a pattern and a path in which we approach a holy God. In the book of Exodus, uh, God gave Moses the directions of how to set up this tabernacle. And he said that, um, you can go back and read it, and it's all found in Exodus chapter 25, verses 1 to 9, where he tells them to, uh, how you're going to set up. So now we're going to walk through the tabernacle, and as you walk through that gate, the first thing that you see is the bronze altar, and that altar is where sacrifices would be done. The The uh, animal would have their um, insides cut out, and the, the blood would be uh, put on the horns that were on the sides of, of the altar, and then they would burn everything on the altar as a uh, sin sacrifice. As the high priest was doing this, he would then uh, finish that sacrificial uh, point. Then he would move through to the bronze laver where uh, it would be an opportunity for him to wash his hands and, and cleanse his hands uh, before moving um, through the tabernacle. Then we'd come to this um, outer tent or the uh, tent of the meeting area and you'd have a door and the door that was there was uh, covered by a curtain and the curtain would have the the ability to slide um, back and then the priest could walk through but when he went into the holy place on the left hand side was the lamp stand and the lamp stand was meant to be there uh, to keep light in the uh, holy place. And those lights had uh, seven lamps on them, and though they were to be burning day and night. The lamp was pure gold. And so you can imagine going in and seeing this pure gold lamp with seven lamps on, e on it, uh, burning constantly. The priest's job was to make sure that that light was always burning. On the right-hand side was that table of showbread. It was on uh, the north side of the tabernacle. Um, and what it was was that the priest would put 12 loaves of bread on the table every Sabbath, and then they ate the old bread when they took it away. So the 12 loaves of bread representing the 12 tribes of Israel. And so after the bread on the right, the lamp on the left, you then would move forward, and there would be an altar of incense. After the golden altar of incense, which the priest would take care of and make sure he offered twice a day, that there was the veil. The veil was which separated the outer from the Holy of Holies. And so the high priest could only go inside the Holy of Holies once a year on the Day of Atonement. Inside the Holy of Holies, you have the Ark of the Covenant and the Mercy Seat. Within the Ark, you have Aaron's rod, which we know, according to the, the scriptures, budded, and there was manna within there. It's really neat because you can see when we're in Israel, looking into the Ark of the Covenant, you can see the commandments, you can see Aaron's rod budding, and you can see the jar of manna. Everybody wants to take pictures of all that inside there. Um, then on top of that, you had the mercy seat in which blood was put on there once a year on the Day of Atonement. It's 
it's a very interesting um, opportunity to walk through a physical tabernacle and see what it is. So now let's go back to the scriptures and hear how the author of Hebrews describes this tabernacle. Chapter 9, verse 1, even the first covenant had regulations of divine worship and the earthly sanctuary. Okay, so the first covenant had uh, regulations, how to approach a holy God. And verse 2, for there was a tabernacle prepared, the outer one in which there was the lampstand and the table and the sacred bread. This is called the holy place. Behind the second veil, there was a tabernacle, which is called the Holy of Holies, had a golden altar of incense, and the Ark of the Covenant covered all sides with gold, which was a golden jar holding the manna, Aaron's rod, which budded, and the tables of the covenant. And above it were cherubim of glory overshadowing the mercy seat, but of these things we cannot speak in detail." Now, when these things have been so prepared, the priests continually entering the outer tabernacle, performing the divine worship. But into the second, only the high priest enters once a year, not without taking blood, which we offer, offers for himself for the sins of the people committed in ignorance. So here you go. Now, we can walk through the process of the priest and how he approaches a holy God according to the regulations of the old covenant. So daily, he would go into the outer court. He would make the sacrifice. He would wash his hands in the laver. He would go into the holy place. He would make sure that the lamps were lit. He would make sure that once on every Sabbath that he was replacing the 12 loaves of bread and that uh, they were taking the old loaves out. Uh, twice a day, he would go in and he would light uh, the altar of incense and he would make a, a special sacrifice to the Lord, probably in the morning and in the evening. But then on one time of the year, the Day of Atonement, he would go in to the Holy of Holies. He would take blood with him, the blood of the sacrifice that was made for him as well as the others. He would put that on the mercy seat and there he would take uh, the altar of incense in as well so that it would fill with um, smoke and in that time the presence of the Lord would be with him once a year but you can see that that is the process in how you approach a holy God that you cannot approach God without a sin sacrifice a sinful person cannot approach God without making atonement for their sins Blood must be shed in order for, for individuals, even in the old covenant, to be able to approach God. Trying to approach God in any other way will result, most likely, in death. I mean, when the mountain was quaking in Exodus, when Moses was getting the commandments, the instruction was put a parameter around the mountains that if anybody went near that mountain, touched that mountain, they would die. This certainly tells us that within Scripture, there is a way to approach a holy God. Think about Genesis, when Adam and Eve sinned, and they brought sin into the world. Immediately, they had to be cast out of the presence of God because sin separated them from a holy God. Sin and holiness cannot be in the same room together. There has to be something done in preparation 
for us to go before a holy God. It's quite phenomenal to see uh, how this all takes place within the Old Covenant. But we have to take a moment and we've got to walk back through this tabernacle. And so Hebrews chapter 8 verse 5. It talks about the tabernacle. It says, now, uh, if he, this is verse 4, now if he were on earth, Jesus, he would not be a priest at all, since there are those who offer the gifts according to the law, who serve as a copy and a shadow of the heavenly things, just as Moses was warned by God when he was about to erect the tabernacle. For see, he says, that you make all things according to the pattern which is shown on the mountain, but now he has obtained a more excellent ministry by much as he is also mediator of a better covenant, which has, he has enacted with better promises. And so the author in chapter 8 continues to go on and he talks about how um, what was happening on earth with the tabernacle and all that is a shadow of the things that were going to come. So let's walk through the tabernacle one more time. And as we do, uh, I want you to think about the different parts of that tabernacle. And so first and foremost, we have uh, the bronze altar. Well, think about the bronze altar. There on that altar, uh, sacrifices were made for sin. Blood was shed. Blood was taken and it was spread onto the horns. Well, we know that from the scriptures that Jesus Christ, that when he was nailed to the cross, blood was shed. Blood was shed for, for you and me. So Jesus was the sacrifice for our sins. He was the one that ultimately paid the price for us. Now, if you go through, continue to walk through the tabernacle, the next you have uh, the bronze laver. This is where um, the priests would have washed their hands in preparation for um, moving through the tabernacle. Well, think about the water. What does the water do? It cleanses and cleans. Believers are cleansed and sanctified by the washing of the water of God's word. Listen, there's not time when you can't uh, look into God's word and study God's word and know that it can change your life. Just last week, I had somebody send me a text message that they were teaching Romans chapter 2. And as they were teaching Romans chapter 2 to uh, students in their uh, Christian school, he said, here I am calling students to live a higher standard in the glory of God. And yet I'm so far off the mark. Can you imagine? You're sitting in God's word and as you're studying God's word, you're realizing that your life is not lining up to where it should be and you're brought to a point of conviction and that point of conviction brings you to a point of change. The word of God washes and cleanses us. It causes us to be more and more like Jesus every single day. Now think about the next part after the bronze labor. There's that door on the uh, holy place. That door that you would... Uh, have to walk through to get into the holy of place. Well, Jesus said in John chapter 9, he said, I am the door. 
And he said, enter through him alone for salvation. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. Now, wait a minute. Remember the question? How do we approach a holy God? We can approach a holy God because of a sacrifice made for sins. We know that Jesus was sacrificed on the cross for our sins. We have to be washed and cleansed and holy and sanctified and uh, separated. We need to be consecrated before we can go to God. That means we need to be washed. And the word of God prepares us to go before then going through the door is actually walking through Jesus because he is the door. He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. It literally means that there is no way to get to the Father unless you go through Jesus. This is such an interesting um, point to stop and think about the application of that. All of the people in the world, how many people try to approach a holy God in the midst of crisis and yet don't have Jesus? When I was, um, before I was working at Precept, I used to work in a, in a funeral home. And as I was working in the funeral home, uh, as a Christian man, and, and my boss was a Christian, and my wife worked there as well, um, we would hear it all the time. We would hear justification that people would say, well, they're a good person, so then they're, they're in heaven with God. We would hear some ministers say that from the pulpit at the front of the chapel. So-and-so was a very good person. They did great things for the community. They were very active out there. Wow. The service projects that they did, they showed love to the community. They fed thousands of people food. They gave to the homeless. They gave to charities above and beyond. And yet as this um, resume was coming down, this biography of this individual, not one mention of their love and passion for Jesus Christ. You see, you can only approach a holy God through the blood of Jesus Christ. You have to walk through that door. You're not saved if you don't have Jesus. This is truth that we know as Christians, but you see, this is why it's so important for us to share this information. Because there are those who do not have Jesus and need Jesus, and yet they want to be with their loved ones. I've shared with you before on, on this podcast that um, in August, I believe, my, I, th I think it was August or September, my aunt had, had passed away, a wonderful woman of Christ. She, she was speaking to the nurses and giving them the gospel in her final days. It was a tremendous testimony to her love for, for Jesus and, and her and, and my uncle met in youth group. I mean, she, she's been involved in church since she was a teenager and she died, she died in her 80s. 
But I sat there and as I did the funeral and as I brought the message forward about how to approach a holy God and giving the gospel, I was looking out among uh, the many people that were there and thinking to myself, you know, the only way that you can spend eternity with the individual we are celebrating their life with is by accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I mean, I couldn't make that more clear within the message and the opportunity that I had. You need Jesus. You need Jesus to enter into heaven. Because in heaven, this is where our holy God sits on the throne. And Jesus sits at his right hand. You want to approach a holy God, you need to walk through that door of Jesus Christ. Entering into the holy of holies, on the right hand side you have the bread. The bread that was replaced once every Sabbath. Well, Jesus in the book of John, he said, I am the bread. He who eats of me will have life. I'll never forget that story in the gospel of John because there are people who can't grasp the concept of eating the bread of life. Some of them think you literally want us to eat you and they can't handle that truth and they walk away. They walk away from the opportunity of salvation. But Jesus says, I am the bread of life. On the left-hand side, you have the lampstand. And on that side, those were the seven lamps that were keeping it lit. And it had to be lit all the time, day and night. Well, Jesus in John 8, chapter 12. Uh, John chapter 8, verse 12. And chapter 9, verse 5. Uh, chapter 8, 12 of John, he says, I am the light of the world. He is the one who enlightens the world. Chapter 9, verse 5, he's the light of men, and he gives enlightenment to salvation. He is the one who will save. Then after the lampstand, we have the altar of incense. It's the fragrant incense and offering before the Lord. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25 talks about this. Therefore, he is able also to save forever those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. This morning and night incense going up. I remember when I was working in the funeral home and, and doing a number of funerals in the Catholic Church. And when they would light those incense and the, and the priest would walk around the casket and he would be shaking this incense in the air, you would see this aroma, this um, smoke going up into the rooftops of the church. You would see as it uh, went up and there, there was a smell to it. But maybe this means this altar of incense and this... Um, Smoke going up is, is this intercessory prayer that's happening for uh, the people. We don't know exactly, but it's quite possible that that's what that, that represents. If so, that's pretty fantastic. Our staff has just been uh, working through the book of Luke and we're just coming to the, to the arrest and the crucifixion and death of Jesus. It was so neat to um, really look close 
and see in uh, chapter 22 that as um, Jesus is talking about his death, that Peter says, I'm going to go to, um, I'll be go to prison for you. I will die for you. And Jesus says, before the rooster crows three times, you will deny me. But Jesus also said, Satan is, these are my words, itching to get you. But I've been praying for you. And to know that uh, intercessory uh, prayer is happening, that there's prayers going up to the Lord on our behalf. After the altar of incense, we have the veil. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 20 talks about the veil. By a new living way, which he inaugurated for us through the veil that is his flesh. It's absolutely amazing that uh, one of the miracles of the cross, and we did a podcast on this that you can go back and look into uh, the website, and you will see that um, in that one of the miracles of the cross is that when Jesus died, that the veil was torn from the top to the bottom. There's no longer a veil in the temple that was blocking the approach to God. The author of Hebrews says that through Jesus' flesh and his sacrifice, he is now the way. All right, all right, are you getting all this down now? Can you see it? Okay, Jesus is the door. To approach a holy God, you got to go through Jesus. Jesus is the light of the world. He enlightens us to salvation. Jesus is the bread of life. If you eat of him, you will be saved. There's intercessory prayer happening. The veil has been torn. He is the veil. We walk through him. And now as you walk through him, where are you? Think about where you are in the tabernacle. As you walk through the flesh, you are now in the presence of God. The presence of God was above the ark. Hebrews chapter 1. We have to go all the way back to Hebrews chapter 1. And you need to see how, how great this all comes together. Hebrews chapter 1, uh, verses 1 to 3. And this has been a while since we've been here. But God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions, in many ways, in these last days has spoken to us in his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. And he, Jesus, is the radiance of his, God's glory, and is the exact representation of God's nature and upholds all things by the word of his power. When he made purifications of sin, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become a much better than the angels, and he has inherited a more excellent name than they say." Jesus is the exact representation of God. Jesus is God. He's at God's throne in heaven. He's drawing people to him through salvation. Jesus paid the ultimate sacrifice for sin. His blood was shed for forgiveness and mercy. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. It's absolutely amazing that what was set up 
in the book of Exodus as a way to approach a holy God comes full circle in the book of Hebrews when we know that the tabernacle was a shadow of the heavenly things and we know that the work of Jesus on the cross is every part of what's in the tabernacle. It absolutely blows my mind. The first time I walked through this, the light bulbs that went off for me, it was so encouraging to see that, you know what? Unlike what people say, people say there's no need for the Old Testament anymore. We don't have to study the Old Testament. We live in grace now. We can just study the New Testament and learn about the love of Jesus. The love of Jesus goes all the way back to the book of Genesis. It goes all the way back. This this pattern of how to approach a holy God starts way back in the very beginning. So now you know. Now you know the truth of how to approach a holy God. The question is, what are you going to do with it? Are you going to share it with others? Are you going to make sure that your heart is prepared to go before a holy God? Are you prepared to meet your God? Have you been washed in the word? Have you eaten of the bread of life? Do you know that Jesus is the light of the world? Do you know that the only way to approach him is to go through his flesh? Amazing truths. Thank you for tuning in this week. I hope that uh, this has been a blessing for you and an encouragement and can continue to press on in your study of Hebrews. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name. We thank you for the sacrifice that was made on the cross. We thank you for his shed blood. That by the work of the cross, that we now have an opportunity to approach you, holy God. We thank you, Father, that you do not see our sin anymore. That you only see Jesus that he sits at the right hand and he mediates for us. Father, I can only imagine the conversation that he has when you look down upon this earth and he sees and you see everything that we are doing, the way that we're living, the things that we do that we don't honor and glorify you, the ways that we are obedient and encourage you in our behavior. And Father, yet your son says, that one's mine. He's washed in the blood. So Father, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.